I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast, supported by Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes, made with only two ingredients, 99.9% purified water and a drop of fruit extract. From fertility to birth to taking care of ourselves, here we talk to women about their own unique experiences of motherhood. The insane joy and the anxious defeat, the love, the laughs, the tears, and the moments that we don't talk enough about. This season is supported by one of the most essential products for every mum. From that first nappy change to those messy winning months, water wipes. Winners of seven National Parenting Product Awards 2021, including Best Baby Wipes, water wipes are proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, making them ideal to help protect and gently cleanse sensitive skin. As the number one baby wipe in Ireland, together we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. A mother's birth the moment that we too arrive new and vulnerable into the world. In this episode, I am joined by the poet, author, doctor and mother of two, Maria Tempany, or the rhyming one, as you might know her on Instagram, about how she has turned the last few years of motherhood into words that support us through her writing, her poems and her books. From birthing alone in the pandemic to the sleepless nights, breastfeeding and her need to connect with women, her writing began and now supports over 13,000 of us on Instagram. She has published two books containing a collection of her poetry and has become a leading voice for a mother's love, a mother's strength, the highs and the many lows. Her words are kind, but they are real. This isn't all bliss. These are the hardest years of our lives, but there is magic in a mother's love. Maria, thank you so much for joining me on Every Mum, the podcast. Your poetry has literally touched the hearts and minds of women in Ireland. It has been a source of a massive support for me on those lonely, lonely nights where sometimes you feel like you might just be the only one up. Um, we have very similar kind of aged babies. We had very similar lockdown experiences. We both breastfeed, like I sometimes connect so much with your words because I suppose where you're at, I've, I've also been. Um, thank you for joining us today. And I'm so excited for this because as I said, and we, we will share some of your poetry, but like sometimes you, I just read it and I'm like, how is she in my head? <laughs> oh, <laughs> thanks so much, Sinead. What a gorgeous welcome, first of all. And you know, it's a real honor to chat to you. First of all, you were one of the like, first moms that I found when I entered this Instagram motherhood world <laughs> and um, I found you so reassuring comforting and normal which is always very welcome whatever normal is but um, a really welcoming space so uh, thank you this is an honor to talk to you today and my, my first time ever to do such a thing so oh. I'm nervous but excited <laughs> oh nothing to be nervous about it's just chat it's just a conversation but um Tell me about, so you're, you're apart from your beautiful poetry, okay, you're trained in the medical sector. So I have heard 
a lot of experiences so far in the work that I've done and obviously with friend groups and everything like that I often find a common trait with those that have been in the world of medicine in that sometimes the reality versus the textbook when it comes to that first (laughs) pregnancy birth and postpartum experience doesn't always go to plan Oh my goodness. Yes. Preachers. That's for sure. And you, <laughs> you know, you'll often find that people will say, you know, you're a doctor, you, you must have known or you, yeah. you must have expected it. And um, you do feel a bit clueless then, or you think, should I have known? Mm-hmm. Um, like I got pregnant, thankfully, very, very easily. And it was kind of, was the 20, end of 2017, first pregnancy. Um, like was quite sick throughout the pregnancy, but it was manageable and otherwise just, you know, exciting and this is going to be fine. And I don't know where the, that feeling inside me of this is going to be fine came from. And I just thought birth would be fine. Like my experience, I had done it during GP training, you'd have a rotation in a, in a maternity hospital. So I remember being, you'd be called up to the labor ward to chart maybe pain relief. And, but, but usually at that stage of training, you wouldn't be doing deliveries as such. And I, I remember hearing a few screams, but you know, it never really registered at the time. And you kind of think, you kind of think that won't be me. Um, and then I remember, yeah, towards the end of that first pregnancy, reading all these, you know, hypnobirthing things. Oh, I, I believe in my birthing body. I'll, I laugh now because my goodness, I, I, I hadn't a clue. And um, labor came that first time. And so I thought labor came and I, I was sent home from Hollow Street three times before they admitted me. <laughs> told you're not an active labor not an active labor I am I am (laughs) telling you oh my goodness and I'll never forget it that active labor is I mean by definition it's like dilatation of the cervix that the cervix starts to open and each time closed hard Mm, mm, mm. (laughs) Um, I'm like yes but also in a lot of pain so surely in a lot of pain and that's the thing with the pain the any of the the pain reliefs that the the pethidine the all those things that you can have weren't really working and things like an epidural which I I hadn't wanted and I said I definitely don't want an epidural but um things like that you can't actually have till you're in active labor anyway so oh by god was I screaming for it but I couldn't have it at this point Mm. Um, and then I remember the time came like three days later when I could have it and I got the epidural and you know you get a bit of relief um and then towards the end it was wearing off and they said they could top it up but I I suppose at that point I was kind of adamant that I suppose the main reason I hadn't wanted the epidural was the risk for for tear or the risk for um instrumental delivery both of which I had but um it's just funny how I suppose to say that like it, sometimes a little bit of knowledge is a good thing and a bad thing you know I kind of I, I knew things that could go wrong I kind of thought not me until in the throes of it and yet a lot did go wrong but a healthy baby arrived and when everyone says you forget like you you don't really forget but somehow it gets it gets altered in your mind as well I remember leaving the hospital with my beautiful bundle of joy and they were like see you in a few months or see you see you in a few years you know and I kind of even then traumatized I was like sure I, I hope to do it again mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's some, something addictive about it I love I love how you talk about like the 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 expectation the plan the assumption yeah and it all is not in your control anymore. And I imagine for a doctor, because your experience of any sort of hospital or clinic set, setting is, well, you're in you're in control of this and you sort of prescribe what's going to happen next. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it really is the, the biggest lesson, I think, that any of us can ever experience and almost teaches us in that moment of birth, 
you are so never again going to be in control of any of this. Totally, totally. And I think that that's a really hard realization for, for all, for all of us really like, you know, everyone has a certain degree of control that they like, but, um, knowing that moment that you you can't control that and it's, it, it can be so overwhelming. Um, yeah crazy experience definitely um, it's you and baby from now on and it's the two of yeah. you having to kind of co-pilot yeah um, as opposed to you being kind of autonomous from yeah. this point onwards but you did go again did go again yeah <laughs> so somewhere <laughs> along the line there must be some sort of therapy yeah yeah definitely yeah I think I felt pregnant just around the time of my son's first birthday um so that was kind of what this like the latter half of 2019 and um second pregnancy I had no sickness at all after the first kind of the first pregnancy being quite sick so it was it was different everything was kind of fine um I was so grateful for that because you know pregnancy with with a baby is is so Mm. different um and all was fine then until what early 2020 like my goodness (laughs) the time that we'll never forget and we're still I suppose in to some degree but not to that extent and like and February came time, February came round. And at that time I was in a hospital setting. And um, yeah, I, I suppose we'll just never forget that, mm. that feeling of fear because it was just so, so unknown. And you were trying to, caring for the staff in that hospital setting as well and trying to arrange, arrange testing, trying to arrange cover, trying to manage stress and anxiety of the unknown um and meanwhile at this point I was kind of six seven months pregnant um and so I was trying to deal with that fear I had myself while trying to look after the others as well but I was so nervous about the pregnancy in COVID because at that point especially in the early days like we really didn't know but it was kind of you know stay clear don't do much if you're pregnant and it was it was just the fear of that and then you know everyone's staying home and I remember kind of I'd be going into work and then my husband was trying to work like a few hours while our son napped and then I'd come home and he'd log on for a few hours and I'd try and take my like what 18 month old out walking the streets like thankfully the weather was good but we'd be walking around just trying to pass that bit of time so he could do a bit of work and you'd come home it was just I mean such a bizarre time I suppose and definitely the fear like the poems kind of resurrected a bit then at the like towards the end of the pregnancy and I was just like how you know this is such a such a scary time and those first couple of months I suppose that March April kind of my, my daughter was born she, she'll be two tomorrow so she was the 10th ah, of May um yeah happy but that time too already thank oh you yeah I know I know it's crazy but that time like was very much you know don't see grandparents like keep away from from loved ones so they were that was your support network gone as you well know mm-hmm. um and I think I was so the big fear for me was okay well I have a baby coming you know so we can't see grandparents so we have a baby at home what do we do you know and we can't we couldn't see anyone else god forbid we put them at risk you know I was still going into a hospital setting and there was just so much to kind of juggle and that that guilt and I think that's one of the hardest things we're all gonna still come to terms with them still even now it's like I have a cough I have a cold okay well I can't meet anyone like god forbid I make them sick it's them what if I made someone else sick so we'd kind of made the call we hadn't seen my parents who are amazing and my biggest support ever but um we hadn't seen them and I wasn't going to let them come to mind my son Johnny so that was kind of the main limiting factor I think from the maternity point of view at that point they were letting your partner be there for the delivery which again is obviously extremely challenging we don't know what time anyone's going to deliver at and the time frame of getting people in but I think that was the rule excuse me at that point but we'd made the call that my husband would stay at home with my son 
and that I'd go in myself. And I know when I say it now out loud, it just sounds so insane. And yet it was, it just seemed like the appropriate decision kind of. We we made it like sometime in April and said, okay, well, listen, when, when baby comes, I'll go in myself and then my goodness like that night came the plan was that my mom who I hadn't seen in ages she actually was going to come I sat in the back with like a mask we draw the we drew the line at a taxi and <laughs> sat in the back with a mask window down and she she brought me to the front door of Hollis Street and I, like, I'll never forget her just dropping me at the door and being like I can't believe I'm going to leave you here yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it was like 3 a.m and in the morning and my husband later told me that like as he brought me out to the car he turned around and saw like it was two foxes in the garden that were just like looking at him as if you know she'll be fine <laughs> um oh. yeah god I get emotional now thinking about it you know looking back but um so yeah she dropped me to the door and up to the ward and everyone's like is there anybody with you and I'm like well, no <laughs> um and I just remember being so afraid and when you think back at that control thing and I think part of it as well was that people tell you a second one will be fine <laughs> <laughs> like so despite the trauma of the first time mm. somehow my outlook I just I was like it'll be fine you know second baby's We've walk out second baby's walk out who coined that phrase <laughs> um, so somehow despite the trauma I'd convinced myself well this one will be fine <laughs> and in we went and again oh my goodness 3am you're not in labour I'll never <laughs> you're not in labor so I don't know what I get this sort of this pre-labor thing that's like did you get that as well because yeah, I have yeah, heard yeah. many that get it where they're like where my pain on each occasion was worse in that pre-labor phase so between like three and say 9 a.m I was not in labor despite mm. the like vomiting with each contraction and all this sort of stuff wouldn't want to put anyone off listening to this it's the best experience in the world <laughs> but then so come around and I just remember the middle and they are they're amazing and I remember them saying like you're, you're so frightened and like you've done this before and I was like yeah but I just I, again I, I was completely loss of control mm. and definitely petrified despite having done it before yeah and then I'd say petrified of the, <laughs> the birth petrified because of the circumstance of the world that you were bringing this little infant into petrified that you were there without your partner you know I was even petrified yeah. feeling like my my older child is at home and is she okay throughout all of this yeah. like there's a lot to juggle totally I'd say all of the above but like mainly in that moment I was just so afraid of like, the pain and the being unable to control it and yeah what was gonna happen would they become safely my, you know one of my greatest challenges I think when it came to the maternity restrictions and the allowance of the partner to appear um yeah. <laughs> at the dawning of the baby you know yeah coming you into click the your world fingers, time. <laughs> yeah was because like you I had really intense really long 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 like the pre-labor phase once yeah. I began to dilate it was quite rapid not rapid yeah. like not in not not in sort of fire engine outside the house yeah. right away but my pre-labors were like days long of of pre-labor pains and to me, a woman in hospital going through that phase on her own, I always feel like at the point of baby delivering, your your partner is incredibly important and your partner is there. But at that point, you feel like you're being held by the midwives. You feel like you're in control of like they're they're now safely delivering this baby and you're following their instructions. And you most likely have had the epidural by now or, you know, you're certainly on gas and air. For me, it was the fear of, 
that phase that you're talking about waiting to be taken into the delivery room waiting to feel like there's people around you caring for you that to me being on your own was one of the hardest things to imagine definitely yeah extremely challenging and I think as well that like yeah that when you're in that kind of the pre-labor and you feel it's so horrendous but you're being told you're not in active labor yeah. I think that's so frightening because you're kind of like well What's if this is this what is it and in, in fairness in both cases for me the actual labor will wasn't as bad as the labor yeah, maybe same. just yeah yeah but it's again everyone's so different I think that's fascinating that the variety that it, like you really can't predict how it's it's going yeah. to be but um yeah long story short that I'd say I was one centimeter by about half nine and I, I want an epidural I want an epidural <laughs> um, and she arrived within about 40 minutes and there was no epidural and it was all very fast and furious like she was nearly 10 pounds she was 9 12 wow. and um again like the shaking I couldn't stop shaking for so long I remember them trying to do do stitches and saying you know you'll have to you'll have to stop so we could do the stitches but uh, it was just definitely overwhelming and I think much more so than I thought again it was like well this is the right decision you know we have to have to do it this way who's going to stay with their son this is what's going to have to happen but it was yeah it was um it was very very challenging and then I because I hadn't had the epidural then I was able to go really quickly so my husband actually picked me up like three hours later and the the staff were like you you don't want to stay I said definitely not I just wanted to get out and get home and get into my own bed and um yeah that was literally all I wanted in that moment you're here (laughs) um that was literally all I wanted this podcast is just one way that every mom can support you Another amazing way is with our free gift bag, packed full of essentials for you and baby, including free samples of water wipes, the number one wipe against nappy rash. To receive yours, just register now on everymum.ie. There's a free gift bag there waiting for every mum. How did you find a way to kind of come out of that? Like it, it is a state. It's a state of mind and it's a state of fear. And it's a state of body. How did you find ways to unravel from that place from it yeah I, I suppose I don't know I, I don't feel even still that I've properly processed it and I think that's nearly the only way you'll properly unravel from it I kind of just boxed it which is yeah. not anything that should be advertised or encouraged but I think it was survival I kind of this had happened completely traumatic but I had my baby she was okay I had to go home to my other baby and on we went and it kind of just that was that was that and then I suppose at least then the the perk of pandemic our pandemic babies were that we were left alone for a little while and just to have that maybe even that time that kind of helped and look the good things were that she latched immediately the feeding was totally fine all of that was very positive and again my husband was brilliant he kind of it was like him and my son and me and her we just kind of divide and conquer and just I suppose we found our feet together but yeah it'll always be something that will be there and I know I know I'm not alone I know so many people have had traumatic experiences and much more traumatic and might have had such a favorable outcome and I mean coming to terms with it when you've got your healthy baby is one thing but yeah I can't I can only I can only imagine what some people have to deal with through it all you know I think though there is an element of that kind of survivor's guilt sometimes brings in because everyone was having some sort of trauma like regardless of pregnancy birth or whatever um and no matter what you felt if you still came home with your baby you almost felt like well I don't I don't have I don't have any 
right to give out about to give yeah, out about yeah. this or, or even yeah. to process this I have to push it away because sure isn't everyone going through it totally and she, that's that's the Irish all over yeah. as well isn't it and like our mentality of you get up and get on with it but like that's set so many people back as well and I think thankfully now we're in a generation where people are talking about it you know and did it bring the poetry to life <laughs> yeah it certainly did my goodness like I I'd always love poems like I remember writing in school god my best friend in secondary school she'll laugh if she listens to this like we both used to go in early in the morning and I'd be like oh I wrote this poem usually about like unrequited love you know those teenage days <laughs> she's like that's brilliant Maria um, the support was unfaltering I always liked it and I remember reading a poem when my granddad died I was about 14 at his funeral it was just always something I enjoyed like rhymes um and then, yeah, I wrote one when I was pregnant with my son, just kind of to our beautiful baby and just all about that. And then, yeah, Edie, my daughter, arrived and it just kind of exploded. And I think that was part of, like, during the pandemic, I think a lot of people did turn to social media. It's wonderful, positive, wonderfully positive aspects, as well as obviously the multiple negative things. But for me, it was such a, a safe space and it was such an encourage. Like, I never thought that I'd set up a page where I'd share poems and that it might actually be welcomed or it might actually be well received you know I'd never have envisaged that before but I think there was just something about that stage like we were all home we, were, we weren't doing much like obviously we were doing loads or we raising families or doing whatever but we weren't socially doing things and this was I suppose the platform and um yeah the poems just flowed god night feeds are a good inspiration for um <laughs> For poetry or for words as well as online shopping but um but it's true yeah. I think there's there's something in the stillness of being awake at night um I found it I remember actually when I had some reflexology to try and kind of stimulate um the beginnings of labor with with my second baby and I remember talking to the reflexologist and her saying how you might find, I, I, she said, how are you feeling? You know, and I said, oh, look, we're going back to the days of no sleep and oh, I'm nervous. And she was like, do you know what? You might find a little extra sweetness in this one. And I looked at her as though she had like seven heads. And I was like, why? <laughs> um, she said, the days can be so busy with the other children that there is a moment of just yeah. beauty when you get to hold just the little one at night yeah. in the dark, you're just by yourself. And although, look, I would have yearned for that sleep. I, I see it in your words as well, that even the tiredness and the exhaustion is still also met with, I want to do this forever <laughs> in a no, way. Totally, totally. It's like everything comes full circle. Like, you know, you're, you don't want it to end. And yes, you, when you're in that moment, it's just, yeah. it's so isolating. And it, like, even though you're not alone, there's people all over the world, but you, you feel alone because you're not, you're not there. The I have one, but I read one little poem because we talk about that that I think yeah. might suit in when we talk Please. about kind of being alone or not, as the case may be. So this is one. Um, for all those who are struggling, please know that you are seen. You do not walk this path alone, lonely though it may seem. As you pace the floors at night or rock your babe to sleep, parents all across the globe, your company do keep. When tears fall from your tired eyes and you can't see the light, I promise you that someone else is fighting that same fight. Yes, it's true, the years fly by, but all those nights are long. And just because you struggle doesn't mean that you're not strong. 
or in fact, each day you're showing strength you never knew you had. And I promise you that all the good days will outweigh the bad. So hang in there, you're doing great and you are not alone. You'll be guided by the greatest love that you have ever known. Just a bit of encouragement. <laughs> and they were the types of things that I came across. So my <laughs> second little Baba was October. So what's that, maybe five months later. Mm. And that's when I set up the page was October yeah. and, and, <laughs> 2020. And, and I'd be sitting there reading them. Yeah. I'd always like right or wrong, I don't know, but I would if I was up doing the feeds, I would have my phone in front oh, of me. Well, clearly me too. And right or wrong is definitely the, the, the question. But <laughs> it is such a comfort. Like it's 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 okay to say this is really hard, but just to not have it left there. I, I lo- what I loved about your words was it acknowledged hard uh, hard but then followed it up with that encouragement and I feel like that's what was so lacking for so many women at that time because not only were they alone at night they were alone during the day they had no one giving them the encouragement that said you're doing great you're just doing great this is how it is and you're doing great yeah, well, I'm a big believer in that. I think we are doing great. And like, we don't say it enough. And again, I don't know whether it's an Irish thing as well, that we're not good at saying, you know, I'm, I'm doing well. This is really, really hard, but I'm, I'm doing it, whether it's well or not. <laughs> um, you know, just getting through the days and the little things are, uh, yeah, important. <laughs> Talk to me about your experience of breastfeeding, because oh. I think it's, so I, if anyone who follows me knows that I, mm-hmm. I, I breastfeed, I, I, I challenge a lot of the advocative voices of breastfeeding because I feel like they're, they're too strict and non-empathetic. Um, I like a non-judgment space when it comes to feeding, but I like to hear other women's experiences of, of the journey that they've been on because I feel like, well... I don't want this division to still occur between, oh, I bought I know. my breastfeed and all this kind of stuff. Like, why can't it just be, well, we feed our babies and this is how we do it. Yeah, this is how we do other. it. And it's, it's always such an emotive subject, isn't it? And it's so, it, it's one to always be so cautious about yeah. and to be like, it, it's, I suppose it's hard. Um, for me, breastfeeding, like it's been an, an absolute godsend, I suppose. And I think, so growing up, so my, my mom was actually involved in the La Leche League and stuff. So we, I was so lucky that kind of that was nearly all I knew, which I think is a big thing to say, first of all, because people coming from maybe, maybe they weren't breastfed or they've had no experience of it. It can be very hard and it's something completely new. Mm. So breastfeeding was all I knew growing up. Like I have memories of mom feeding my little, little sister till God knows what age, but um, <laughs> I, I had that, I had that support. And so I'd always, always hoped, always planned to feed. I had that support and I, I knew about it. So I think, again, education, extremely important and knowledge with, while when pregnant or prior to birth for me was a, a big saving grace. Um, so again, it was always my intention. And I was, I was very lucky then that it worked out. It was, it, when I say I was lucky, it was worked out. Again, I reiterate the, the support and knowing when to ask and, that baby latched well and again I've like a friend of my mom's is a is a lactation consultant now and she she came and she had a little look and she helped so it worked out well and once we had established and got going with this it was it, it was a dream come true in that 
everything it, it cured everything you know <laughs> um every tear every every need for f- comfort for food for it, it it was it was easy and the thing is breastfeeding can be extremely challenging or not easy and requires a lot of support but once it's established I mean it, for me it was it was the easier option as well um we with my son we we breastfed till I think I was about 18 months I was six months pregnant with my daughter and it kind of naturally naturally weaned then um and then again this time like she latched straight away and we're continuing to feed she'll be two tomorrow um and now definitely we're at that stage you know I meet friends and I, are you still feeding <laughs> and there's no there's no badness in it yeah. it's just it's you know people are curious people are interested and prior to having babies myself I think I would have maybe thought it a bit unusual when you see toddlers running around and it's it's a different phase and yet for me it just feels right and for her it feels right and it's it's working and when they're sick it's amazing when that's just in so many ways it's all we know and it has it it has really been a godsend for us um you know that said I'm so supportive of all choices and all options and I think that everybody knows that and I think it's hard at the moment that we nearly always feel the need to add that or to justify that Mm -hmm. and it's that you know people can be sensitive or you know well it's, it's all well and good it worked out for you and I appreciate that too definitely but I think a lot of what the challenges are is that maybe the support isn't there people don't know how to ask for the support um and again, the, the variety with it, like I said, with birth, you know, a lot of friends who said, oh, their birth was actually a really positive experience that I can't even fathom. But, you know, others will say breastfeeding was absolutely excruciating. And I had a, like every experience is different. So I suppose it's kind of sometimes education prior to mm. prior to like when pregnant, prior to delivery is key, which we don't really have. You know, you get an antenatal class one or two towards the end. They mention it. And that's about it. The, but yet the resources are there if we know to look for them and to ask. And I suppose or education pay for them. And that's, that's one a, of my biggest challenges, too. Yeah. And that's a valid point. Definitely. Mm. There are organizations that are free that will support even and even while pregnant. So places like the Lelegi League or Quid You or Friends of Breastfeeding, they all offer meetings where you can attend while pregnant, while pregnant and they're free. And I went while pregnant with my son to one of those meetings and found it great like to meet other moms that were already doing this and that was kind of helpful too so that's worth anyone listening that's considering it that look, reaching out maybe to somebody before delivery is great and that there are free resources there too um One yeah positive I found of the lockdown situation that we found ourselves in was I think that breastfeeding was established much easier now I know again it's a second time round. I knew what I was doing you know all those all all of those factors are very true but I found the quietness of home definitely I think yeah helped. and I think has contributed to the fact that she is feeding for longer, longer. Than yeah because I was never gone and I never had the I suppose impulse to or the discipline because I'd nowhere to be to yeah. the you know getting her on to express bottles and getting her yeah to that. so therefore when I attempted to do it when she had her mind of her own it was like uh, excuse me absolutely no. <laughs> not yeah oh, completely and that's I think a very valid point that like and I wondered at the start I was like the pandemic is it going to will it negatively affect breastfeeding rates mm. because people are in and out so quickly and the support isn't there mm. or will it positively affect and I think it's it's maybe it's done both in some ways you know that people didn't were out of hospital so quick or that didn't maybe have access to support or in-person support you know with the pandemic 
but I think that the prolonged like the people breastfeeding for longer definitely the pandemic has helped that because people have been home um I think back to when my son was born I remember just being adamant that you know I wanted to keep doing everything and I remember going back in I was part of a choir in in town and he was born in August and choir was resuming the end of September and I was going you know I didn't want to miss it and we'd made this plan that my mom was going to bring me in she'd mind him in the Starbucks and I'd come in and out and feed as required like it was absolutely ludicrous when I think about it but that was like we did that for like a couple of weeks and then I realized okay maybe it mightn't be the worst thing in the world if I miss a term you know <laughs> um, but, but why did I start thinking it's, it's yeah, so then. good to try though like there's a part of you that's still desperately clinging on to your identity and like me you know feeling totally. like I can still do the things I used to do totally and you can but sometimes like what I would always say is you can you can do it all like but the case maybe well no you can't do it all you can do a lot but it's it's reevaluating what it all is and like what it all is right now and hindsight is such a great thing as we all know you know those precious months of like what was I thinking you know when I could have just been been at home but um you do definitely hindsight brings a lot of reflection of things that you could have done differently but um yeah, the pandemic and the feeding has helped big time. I mean, now we're definitely approaching a stage that so she'll be two tomorrow. And this, mm. obviously this is my first time to feed this log. And, um, you know, I'd love now to kind of change it to on my terms. Yeah. <laughs> morning morning and evening, not during the night. <laughs> um, and in fairness, she's fine. Like when I'm not there, she's she survives totally fine. And I think that's the big thing when they get that bit bigger. Like she's fine if I'm away all day. And then the days I'm there, she'd happily feast all day long. Um, <laughs> but we'll... Um, yeah we'll work that out too and I think it's a blessing but I think there's so much I there's so much I'm still learning about it as well and I and that's why I think it's really important to share these conversations and and to do it in a respectful way but in a way that is still true to your experience without feeling like anything you say may upset someone who didn't totally. have that experience because we can't totally. we can't you know we don't do it in any other aspect of our life so why would we we do it for for feeding but to your point there that like the older they get it's not about nutrition anymore. It's no. not even about filling their bellies anymore. There's just this, I don't know, like I'm the same. If I walk into the room, it's the first thing. Mm, she milk. Wants. It, yeah, but it might only last. It could be like 40 seconds. 40 seconds. <laughs> but it's like, it's it's literally like her version of a handshake of what would have occurred before. Like a, you know, the, when you greet someone and like you, I'm very much... You know, I think that there's a lot of misconceptions around feeding into toddler years, um, how somehow like we're instigating it or enabling it or encouraging it. Um, totally. Like things like, oh, well, that's clearly for you now. And I'm like, oh, that's yeah. a, that, <laughs> you know, yes, I'm getting I'm getting pleasure. No. Because you are in a certain degree, you enjoy the feeding. But like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's misconceptions. But um, I think all we can do is, you know, I think to speak about it is just so important and for people to know that you know well it's we're still relatively normal state both of us (laughs) and we're feeding toddlers you know and that that's so it's not it's not an like I nearly would have thought this is gonna say but I would have thought that it was you know a strange thing to do or something that that strange people did so I'm hands up saying that you know I my misconceptions even being educated about feeding were there were there too so it's I think talking and being accepting of what that there are so many different approaches and yeah being able to talk about it and being able to ask for help is so important well, I'd like some I'd like a course on how to 
Ween. <laughs> I don't know how. Well, listen, and I, I, I will keep you posted if I can figure it out too. It's fun. like I say now, okay, Edie, like we're, we're just going to do morning and night. Yeah, no, no. Or, <laughs> I met a friend yesterday who's still feeding as well. Um, and her little one's actually nearly three, which is a one of very few that I know. And she said, we do a thing where we just count to five. So we go like one, two, three, four, five. And I'm like, and it works. And she's like, sometimes. Mm. <laughs> so we tried, I tried that last night. No, no, no. No. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh listen, we'll get there. And I can't say I'm forcing it too much now at the minute either. It's like the the easier alternative sometimes is just to I know. and yeah. that's that's I think another truth that isn't spoken about often enough like despite how terribly challenging it is in the first six to eight weeks um there is something now when I'm faced with like okay how am I going to parent my way through this oh yes <laughs> yep yeah essential parenting technique and I yeah, just don't the know what yeah. else to do I'm like okay she's in pain or she's hurt or she's teething or she's sick or yeah she's cranky <laughs> or we have to wait for something and she's being impatient um or simply I just need her to go back to sleep yeah so that is that's where we're at I definitely think um with my first daughter it wasn't as intense at this point and I do think it's because of the pandemic and the way that we lived for the first yeah. year of her life um and it's really interesting to hear that you're having a similar experience you yeah. said there about mm-hmm. um we can't do it all but we have to reevaluate <laughs> and do kind of what's right for right now yeah big time where you're at in your life two years down the track two babas what is right for you right now yeah well that's a it's an interesting question isn't it and like I suppose for me I've always I've always been busy and I've always had lots of lots of friends not in the, like I've loads of friends I, I have lots of friends in, in different places and different walks of life and I have always thrived in company and friendships and, and socializing I, I love it and I've I'm blessed with brilliant people I suppose so that for me has been one of the biggest challenges, I think, because I still want to do it all. I, I really do want to do it all. <laughs> but that want is lessening a bit in certain things. Like I don't feel the need to see, you know, a particular friend every every 10 days or every week or every two weeks now. And it's OK if that stretch goes a little bit further. And it's maybe the re- sometimes it's the reassurance that you see them and, you know, everything's totally fine. It doesn't have to be, you know, we're all we're at a stage where where longer gaps from that side of things is is okay so that's a big thing I think for me and um, maintaining those friendships I do still I still really enjoy to work you know I used to say oh god if I won, won the lotto I'd never work and um, I, I don't mean that and actually the days that I'm in work in work outside the home I find um, my easier days hands down so I will uh, you know any people who stay at home all the time with their children are absolute heroes and um it's it, it's absolutely phenomenal and I kind of do a mix of both I suppose at the minute and definitely my days of in-house work are less challenging um so I kind of yeah between juggling work and the babas and, and poems has just been so, yeah well that's just been such a happy release like I I love it and it's it's somewhat addictive and I you know I love it and I you know, the whole social media thing that's another day's work like I never thought I'd be somebody checking a page and why did nobody like this one you know and you do kind of hands on heart I feel that and it's ridiculous you know I'll step back from it and I'll say Maria like don't be ridiculous like Mm. people mightn't have seen it or maybe they actually don't like it that doesn't mean they don't like you Mm. (laughs) they don't know you (laughs) but you do you kind of do take it personally you know do you feel Um, vulnerable when you're putting them out there because they do feel real definitely a hundred percent but I think that's the way to 
to reach people. And I think that that's, that's really what I wanted to portray was the vulnerability of it all. And to know that I don't have it all figured out, that, you know, this is hard and that I want to share that it's, it's hard, but amazing. And, you know, getting messages from people like, you get messages from people all over the world and it's actually, it makes it all worthwhile. This, you know, I'm up feeding my baby, I've read this and just, you know, it's just made me feel so much better or like, that's what it's all about really. And I, I'm loving it. And then like, like the books, I never even thought, you know, who'd want a book, but actually like somebody said, would you not make a book? And then I saw other people do it and I thought, well, why not? It might be a nice, like if, if nothing else, it's, it's something for the kids to have when they're older. Yeah, and yeah, collecting them together. Definitely. And it's actually a year ago today, it was Edie's birthday last year, which was the Monday. So it'll be, yeah, that I collected the first batch of the first book, A Mother's Birth. And oh, wow. Yeah, to think that like, yeah, we're a year later and there's another book and another one coming. I'm just going to keep doing it. <laughs> well, I say that I think it'll reach a time, you know, it's these couple of years are just there's so much inspiration. There's so much material for it. There's so much like, I don't know, it's it, it's flowing, whereas like that may stop at some point. But uh yeah, no, we're going to need your words for the older years. Too. <laughs> I can see a book about my teen is drinking in a field. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't know how I'm going to do these later years, Sinead. Like the boob won't work then. No, certainly won't. <laughs> certainly won't. You're going to leave us with a poem today. Great. Oh, perfect. I'd be delighted to. Yeah. Um, I think we're, let's see if I can open up one of them here. I probably know it by heart, but just so we don't make any mistakes. <laughs> um, okay. Well, this is a nice one to finish with, I think. Linger a little longer as you lay them down tonight. Cling a little closer as the darkness steals the light. They'll never be as little as in this moment here. Soothe a little softer and hold them oh so near. Let all the worries of the day float up to the skies. Gaze a little deeper into those precious eyes. Tell them that you love them, that they're special and they're strong. Linger a little longer, for they won't be little long. They won't be little long. She's two tomorrow. I know. <laughs> yeah, my goodness, does it fly, that's for sure. Completely flies. Thank you for your words in all of your poems and for collecting them into books for us to be able to enjoy and to remember. Because sometimes when you're in the depths of it, you think that there is no moment where it'll pass. Um, and I just think certainly for me it has helped me massively when I read your words and I can just kind of come back in to seeing the loveliness and the joy in it and the togetherness and to know that so many other women have been through this will go through it are in it um, and that no matter how hard it passes so yeah definitely well thank you <laughs> thank you so much Nate, and thanks for having me on to talk I love love the podcast so it's a real it's an, an honor for me and I think you do wonderful work in facilitating such amazing women to to tell their stories so I keep keep doing it I think you're great <laughs> thank you thank you so much thank you okay enjoy tomorrow um and take a moment yes. I always think as well on birthdays take a moment because it's your anniversary too you totally. yeah. two years ago as well it wasn't just yeah. that she was born a new version of you was born too Totally. That's for sure. Yeah. A mother's birth. birth. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Thank you so much for listening and to Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes for their support. 
proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, water wipes are made with just two ingredients and are 100% biodegradable, plastic-free and compostable wipes. So you can do what's best for your baby's skin and help protect the planet. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe, rate or leave a review. Share this episode across social and get in touch with this week's guest, The Rhyming One, on Instagram. Instagram.